Welcome. You are listening to a sermon from Christ Chapel Barry. Listen and be blessed. There is a very unusual grace of God in the house this morning. And if you key into it, you will not live here the way you came. You will not live here empty-handed. Don't be too conscious of yourself this morning. Let's call upon his name and worship him. I want you to just go before him this morning and just worship him by yourself. By yourself. Just worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. I worship you. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. You are a wonderful Father. You are a good God. We pray for everybody represented on this property today. Either in the children's church, here in the main church, even in the parking lot. As many as are looking up to you for the fruit of the womb, I decree this morning that this is the season of life. Amen. According to your words, do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. As many as are sick, that's the third one. Father, this is the season for you to prove yourself as the Jehovah Rapha. Touch your children right now and heal them in the name of Jesus. As many as have been given that contrary medical report, Father, we commit that report unto you right now. And we tear it up in the name of Jesus. We set that report on fire in the name of Jesus. As many as have been bedeviled by this demon called fibroid, Lord, we pray that right now you will touch the womb and begin to dissolve that fibroid in the name of Jesus. You are the God of life. You are the God of the living and not of the dead. Father, prove yourself in our midst today in the name of Jesus. You have spoken. Do it. In such a way, Lord, that no man can share that glory with you. In the next nine months, Father, let there be glorious testimonies. And as many as I hear that are saying, Lord, where is my own life partner? Receive it in the name of Jesus. The Lord will open your eyes to see in the name of Jesus. The Lord will give you the grace to obey in the name of Jesus. The Lord will through you bring forth a home that will glorify his name in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You, we love you, Lord. For we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's have our seats. We are welcome to his presence. We are welcome to his presence. Somebody will have a wonderful testimony today. Amen. That which the Lord has spoken and that which he has done shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Genesis 12, 1 to 8. Genesis 12, 1 to 8. If you are there, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed. And as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Verse 5. And Abraham took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sichem, 
unto the plain of Mori. And the Canaanite was then in the land. Very important, verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And the last verse. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he did what? He builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are continuing in our studies on what we call, Lord, do what? Teach us to pray. And we began to look at the Lord's prayer. And we started from the first phrase there, our Father. And so we said, if you are going to pray to God and get an answer, it is based on what? Relationship. Relationship. We said, he has to be your father. If he is not your father, the basis of that prayer is destroyed. And then we said the second relationship is that of what? Friendship. But you cannot be a friend of God if God is not your father. Do we remember that? You cannot be his friend if he is not your father. That is, a, I mean, a very important point. Then we began, we asked a question last week, which I said we are going to continue today. How did these people, we gave some examples of people that were friends of God. Do you remember the examples we gave? Number one, Abraham. Number two, Moses. Number three, Daniel, yes. Noah and Job. God himself said it. He said, if these three men, and he mentioned their names, Daniel, Noah, Job. He was talking about the iniquity of Israel. He said, if these three intercessors, the one thing that Daniel, Noah, and Job had in common is that they were what? They were intercessors. They were men that prayed for others. And that's one of the things we need to take note of. You can only be a friend of God if your prayer life goes beyond me, myself, and I. You know that prayer type of prayer, right? If you can only be a friend of God if you go beyond brother and sister, give me. Oh, in Jesus' name, amen. Give me one, give me two. You know, some of us, we say we have a prayer list, right? On your prayer list, all of it is what? Is give me. When you start praying, they say, brother, give me as come again. Or sister, give me as come again. No room for appreciation. To even appreciate what God has done for you. Some of us are here today, I've said this before. If we start telling our stories, how did we get here? Some of us here came through Nicaragua. Some went through Sahara Desert to Libya. And from there they crossed to, uh, is it Spain? Then to Germany. Then to UK. And finally to Canada. Some of us just came through the, I mean, Mutalama airport and we landed in, uh, uh, what do you call it? In, in Toronto airport, and we throw away our passports. <laughs> what am I saying? There are different means whereby we all came here. But we are here. And no matter how difficult you think it is for you, or it has been for you to get here, you are here. Tell somebody you are here. You are here. So why don't you thank God that you are here? Please ask that to your neighbor. Uh, now, somebody is not talking. 
Ask your neighbor, why is it that you don't thank God you are here? You are, more, you are more interested, you are more concerned about what you don't have. And God is saying, the one I gave you, did you even appreciate it? Do you appreciate it? You woke up grudgingly this morning and said, ah, we're going to church again. If I don't go, that pastor, I don't, I don't even know why I gave him my phone number. <laughs> and so grudgingly, well, the dragon or the food, you make, okay, I, I say, at least I'm here, I will make sure he sees me. When last did you give God quality time of thanksgiving? Quality time of what? Just go on your knees and for 30 minutes be saying what? Say, Lord, I just thank you. I can list all that you have done for me, but that's what I want to do. I just want to do what? I just want to thank you. Brethren, God appreciates it. He appreciates it. Instead of spending one hour asking for this, asking for that, spend that one hour to do what? Give him thanks. He's brought you thus far. Give him, appreciate him. He loves it. Because, brethren, not many people appreciate it. When you are thanking him, in fact, don't even say thank you for giving me, bringing me to Canada. Just say, Lord, I just do what? I just thank you. I, I'm alive this morning. I just do what? I thank you. Like my, my wife was talking about the six pack and eight pack and there are people there are people with twelve packs who are dead. Is that not so? Somebody was telling me about uh, maybe he saw it online or something. Say I mean a well built handsome young man that you say no everything that God wants to do he has done in the life of this brother. And then they were I don't know if he says a, a wedding. He said they were in a wedding, and the brother just fell down. And they thought maybe he just hit his leg or something. Ah, um, my friends, get up. And before they knew what was happening, the man had gone. He had every pack. He took all the pack. <laughs> the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Give thanks for who you are. Give thanks for what you have. I don't know why I'm laying mean, emphasis on Thanksgiving today. Maybe because what you are praying for, you are about to receive. Somebody doesn't even believe that. What you have been praying for, you are about to receive. Give thanks the more unto God. And your testimony will be glorious in Jesus' name. So how did Abraham become a friend of God? How did he become a friend of God? The first thing we must take note of that Abraham was obedient to that call of God. God told him, get out. He told him to do what? Get out. He was obedient to the call. He was obedient to the call. When he went out, he didn't go out fully because he took some people along with him. And one of them was Brother Lord. Is that not so? And brethren, I know many of us say you want to help your families. But until you get out fully, you will not be able to help them. You continue to create problems that will cause friction. The more you try to help, the more they look at you and say, look at what bro sent to me. He sent me 100,000 naira. And he wants you to appreciate him. It's even less than 100. They will convert it for you over there. They, what he sent to me is what? It's less than $100. And this is all he could do for me. Because you are trying to help your family your own way. 
Your, the Bible says, when your obedience is what? It's complete. Your obedience is not complete. Even your good is what? Is evil spoken of. Somebody else receives 20,000 naira and say, ah, God will bless this, my brother, for me. He's a very good man. Ah, God, whatever work he's doing, do what? Make sure he prospers. Meanwhile, you, you sent 150,000. The guy receives and says, ah, ah, eh? Is this all that uh, Fred can send to me? Don't mind him. In fact, he might be planning to deal with you. And you are thinking you are doing what? Be obedient. Completely obedient to God. And when you are, he will ensure that every step you take, he guides you. There are people you want to give money to that the Lord will say what? He will say don't. It's not Some of us are just stingy. God doesn't need to tell you don't to, not to give. You won't give. So God doesn't. Some of us are just stingy. But that's not what I'm talking about. You sincerely want to help this person. But the Lord is saying, he might not even say no, he might say wait. Wait. Because if you give him that money now, that will, the celebration of the money you sent to him might be what will kill him. And you will be responsible for killing him. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm talking about complete obedience. Abraham obeyed God. But when he obeyed God, he took lots with him. And that created problems for his household down the road. They were never friends again. The descendants of Abraham, the descendants of, of Lot, became eternal enemies. Just because of the goodness of Abraham. That's very important. How did Abraham become a friend of God? The first thing is, he was obedient to the call of God. And I want you to know, brethren, that life is a journey. Tell me, life is a journey. Your life with God is a journey. It starts with obedience to the first instruction. To which instruction? The first one. That is key. When you are obedient to the first, he will take you to the next. And many of us want to jump in in between. We were praying for our youth uh, this morning. And for some of us, we are interested in the issue of marriage. Oh, where's my husband? Oh, where's my wife? And many of us don't pray until we need a husband. True of us. Some of us don't pray until we need a wife. Some of us come to church, especially because your parents said, uh -uh, isn't there a redeemed church in that, uh, that area where you are? Don't bring uh, a to me at home. Oh. That's the reason some of us are coming to church. That's why we are not committed and we are not faithful. God will have mercy upon us. I say God will have mercy upon us. Your life with God is a journey. And it starts with obedience to the first instruction. Remember what Samuel said unto uh, Saul. In 1 Samuel 15, 22-23. He said, does God have delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He said, behold, to obey is better than what? Sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. He now said, what many of us don't want to hear? He said, rebellion is at the sin of witchcraft. You know, when we talk of witchcraft, all that comes to us is people that fly at night. Many of us are worse than those that fly at night. We don't fly at night, oh. 
But we are so manipulative that even when witches see us, they bow for us. <laughs> Not because you, you jump or you disappear or anything, but your level of manipulation, in fact, you call it divine manipulation. <laughs> yeah, so that's what it is. He said, rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Say me, I respect myself. Oh. Some of us are too stubborn for God. I respect myself. Oh. You better do what? Respect yourself. Let's keep our good boundary. There's nothing you can tell that brother once he makes that statement. He won't listen to you. Very stubborn. The Bible says stubbornness is at what? Iniquity and idolatry. You know what iniquity is? I have my own simple definition for it. It's manufactured sin. Iniquity is what? You plan it, you devise it, you cook it up, you eat it, and you clean your mouth. That's iniquity. And then we know what idolatry is. When someone or something else has taken the place of God in your life, it now says, because of your rebellion, your stubbornness, it said, you have rejected God. And God has rejected you. I pray for someone here today. God will not reject you. Amen. I say God will not reject you. Amen. Remember that story that the Jew shared with us? Of a lady that was a, the manager in her company. Old enough to get married. And she was seeking the face of God. Who am I going to marry? And the Lord said, I will show you who you will marry today. And at a point in time, the Lord said, look outside and you will see your husband. And she looked outside. And as far as she was concerned, there was nobody outside. She said, Lord, there's nobody. And the Lord said, look very well. She said, there's nobody. It's only the gate man. Ah. The gate man is not a person. She said, ah. The gate man of the company, that's the person you are saying is my husband. But she was a child of God. You know, that's what I'm talking of. One obedience will lead to another. So what did she do? She went and met her pastor. She said, Pastor, I don't understand. But if I am alright, this is what I think God is telling me. That the gate man of our company is my husband. She's the manager. He's the gate man. Yes, so. Then the pastor said, I didn't know how to tell you. The brother has come to me. Yes. The brother had gone to the pastor and said, this is what the Lord is saying unto me. Oh. I am gate man. Oh. Madam manager oh, is what? He said, I didn't know how to come and tell you that. So I told him to do what? Go and continue praying. <laughs> they now called the brother and interviewed him. And found out that when he did his school search, he had excellent grades. So he's a very intelligent young man. The only reason he was a gate man was because he had no money to, for, to, to finance. His, 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 his that was the only reason he was there working there as a gate man. And so the sister funded his, uh, uh, what do you call it? Higher education. And they got married. And they lived happily thereafter. But, I mean, this is not, uh, uh, this is not Disney World. Though. 
this is real life. The person concerned, when the Jew was telling us, he said he's a senior pastor in the redeemed Christian Church of God. So it's not a matter of a make, I mean, it's not a storytelling. Because somebody decided to obey the Lord. Please tell your neighbor, please obey God. It's very important. He's taking you somewhere. And you will get there in Jesus' name. So not only did Abraham obey God, Abraham also believed God. So if you are going to be a friend of God, number one, you must do what? And number two, you must? You must believe God. In our, our Bible study on Thursday, I asked us a question. Was it, was it this Thursday or last week? What's the difference between faith and belief. Faith and belief are essentially the same thing. But one is a noun and the other is what? It's a verb. It's an action. Action. Believe. But when they talk of it, they will say, have faith. Are we together? Abraham believed God and the Bible says it was counted for him as righteousness. When you go to the New Testament, Romans 4, 2-3, Galatians 3, 5 to 7, James 2, 22 to 24. So Romans 4, 2 to 3, Galatians 3, 5 to 7, James 2, 22 to 24. When you go to the New Testament, you see where reference was being made. Do we have that? Romans 4, 2 to 3, Galatians 3, 5 to 7, James 2, 22 to 24. Where reference was being made to the faith of Abraham. And in it, a part of those passages they were saying, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Please ask your neighbor, do you believe God? Because God has given you some wonderful promises. But you are doubting him. You are saying, um, you know, I know what God said, um, but tell somebody to stop putting God. When God speaks, it shall come to pass. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on him. It depends on him. All he expects you to do is to believe. Why is that? Why is it so difficult to believe? I'm not saying believe, Pastor, because tomorrow Pastor can change his mind. Though. I hope you realize that. I say believe who? Believe God. The Bible says Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Our God is the unchangeable. He doesn't change. But he changes situations. He changes people. He changes individuals. That's why the person you thought, oh, this bro is my husband. We are partners for life. This and this. Ah, in fact, you are already preparing for your wedding. Then you got a visa. And you needed to travel. And you know, if you don't travel, you lose that visa. And so you travel. Two years after you travel, you hear that bro now has a set of twins. And you thought that your life depended on, on that bro. Is that not so? And you thought that this sister will do what will wait for me. I think there's a song like that that they say, wait for me. Don't sing it all. <laughs> you thought that this is a sister that will wait for you. And because you were away for one and a half years, the next thing you hear is that she has given birth to a bouncing baby girl. After one and a half years, 
Which means you only waited for how many months? Temptation is everywhere. I, I mean, I was telling us at the, at the uh, couple's dinner yesterday that when I came to this country, I came with my daughter. My daughter was two years old. My wife was left in Nigeria. How I survived, I don't know. <laughs> only God knows. <laughs> because she was two years old. I was the only one that a little bit understood her language. So when she talks, they'll say, what is it? <laughs> But God saw us through. For three years, we were in this country together. Just me and my daughter. And my wife was in Nigeria. But where am I going? People in the church. People where? Not outside though. My life has revolved around the church for a very long time. People in the church will come to my wife and say, ah, that your husband that you say is in Canada. Do you know what he's doing there? You too, you better enjoy yourself. Oh, Yes. I didn't have enough money to say I'm buying a car for my wife in Nigeria, so she knew all the streets of Ibadan. <laughs> With her legacy bins. <laughs> so you see these people in their car will say, um, let me take care of you. They want to destroy your life. So imagine she had listened to them at that point in time. And you know, God so loves me. If you want to deceive me, and one man say he wants to take care of you, not only are you going to be pregnant with one child, it will be two. And no matter what you do, they will refuse to die. <laughs> so you find out that you can't deceive me. <laughs> but these are realities of life. They are realities of life. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. Your faith, that your belief, that your faith will be tested. So if you think because I believe God, everything will be rosy, that is not Christianity. Go through your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Everybody that is a hero in the scriptures had one test or the other that they had to pass. This one we are talking of Abraham as a father of, a father of faith. Didn't he have problems? Uh, you, if we apply our own standard of morality, there are levels where we are going to fail Abraham. Is that not so? Uh -uh. The man said his wife was his sister. And with his koro koro eyes, he was looking and they took his wife away. And he went inside and started praying. <laughs> so it's not that they, had, they didn't have their own, I mean, trying times. But they stood with God. God saw their frailty. God saw that, I mean, like I always say, I say, God, you made me. You know me. If I want to cry to somebody's neck, whose neck am I going to cry to? It's God. And he's a God of mercy. He's a father of mercy. He will have mercy on you in Jesus' name. Yeah. So every one of them had their shortcomings. We say Noah, Noah was a man God recognized. It was this same Noah that after he came out of the ark, was so excited and went and drank wine, became drunk, was naked, and he put all the blame on his son. But God didn't disown him. Because of that. That happened in Genesis. It was in Ezekiel that God was saying, Don't Noah, Job, and Daniel stand before me. So, after all said and done, God still recognized Noah. Whatever you have gone through, whatever be your offenses, whatever be your shortcomings, it is you that will decide that God should, uh, what's the word? You are going to decide by yourself that either you say, God have mercy on me, 
or God throw me away. The choice is yours. You come for him for mercy, he will have mercy on you. You come for him to say, God, everybody is doing it, so why am I different? He will treat you equally the same way. What's the choice that you have made? And the third thing about Abraham was that Abraham communicated with God regularly on his altars. He did what? He communicated with God regularly on his altars. What is an altar? It's simply a place of spiritual communication. A place where you talk to God and he does what? He talks to you. A place of spiritual communication. A place of prayer. A place you get to and God knows your voice. And because Abraham was constantly moving about, in the passage that we read, he erected two altars. Two altars. In Genesis chapter 12 verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared to him. Many times God has appeared to you. Many times God has spoken to you. How do I know those dreams you have that have spoken to you about your future? What did you do about it? You woke up, you remembered. Did you put down that dream? Do you still remember that dream? Are you praying about it? Abraham woke up. Abraham saw. I mean, remember what the Lord told him. And he built an altar unto the God that appeared unto him. When God gives you a promise, that's the time you should begin to pray concerning that promise. When he gives you a promise, you begin to do what? Begin to pray. Begin to pray. That's very important. So that's going to, it will come to pass. Our God is a prayer answering God. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24 to 25, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24 to 25, God was talking to Moses. He said, rise up, take up your journey, pass over the river Anon. Deuteronomy 2, 24 to 25. He said, behold, I've given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to do what? Begin to do what? Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Every promise God has given unto you must be contended for. You don't contend with it, you lose it. And it's not his fault. How do you contend? It's not by telling lies. It's by going before the Lord in the place of prayer. I've always, when I was growing up in Nigeria, I'm from a very, very poor background. If you understand what I mean. Many of us can relate to that. But God gave me one, one thing. Just one thing. I was good at school. I was very focused. And even now I say I was good at school. When I was in primary school, honestly, I don't know how I went through primary school. It's a combination of so many things. We go to school, we come back. I take fried fish to the market to go and sell. By the time I come back at night, what do you want to read? You are so tired, you go and sleep. The following morning, we go through the same routine. Before going to school, I will sell pancake in front of the hospital. It's not far from our house. When I come back from school, I take fried fish to the market. When I say that, I come back. But so, if you ask me about my primary school, I don't remember anything. What I remember is what I've just told you. 
but I scaled through. Then I got to the high school and I got to a boarding school. That's what saved me. Because in the boarding school now, things were structural. It was then I began to realize that if me too I study, I can pass. You will pass in Jesus' name. Amen. I say you will pass in Jesus' name. Say we are talking about the Father. When the Lord gives you a promise, that's the time you should begin to pray concerning that promise. Set up that altar. Contend for what the Lord has given to you. When I did my work, we all know what, whatever they call that thing now. I was a science student. But as a science student, you must pass mathematics. And at credit level. Is that not so? So I did my work. And I had excellent grades in all my uh, subjects. And I got what they call C6 in mathematics. <laughs> you know what that means? I was caught out to failure. Because for what you are going to do, P7 is useless. I don't know anybody. So, I mean, you want to go to the university. Some of us, we knew the VC. Your dad was the junior brother of the senior lecturer and things like that. <laughs> I, I didn't even know the process. But you know, as God will have it. Because before my work result came, I had an admission letter to UI. But God saved me. That I didn't get P7 in mathematics. That would have been the end of the journey. God will go ahead of you. Amen. God will fight for you. Amen. God will make way for you. Amen. The promise he has given unto you, if you hold on to his hand, he will contend with you and he will contend for you. Amen. That was how God saw me through because at that point in time, they already got me a job with the Nigerian Railway Corporation to go there as a clerk. But I just told my dad then, I call him my dad, but he was actually my father's firstborn, and I was the lastborn. I said, why don't you wait until my result comes? The, 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 the job was ready. They were now asking for some money. Said, Before you go and give them money, wait, let my... So when my admission letter came, everybody relaxed. And as God would have, when the white thing came now, equation... If it is at the last moment, if it is at the last minute, God will come through for you. Amen. Whatever God needs to do to ensure that your destiny is fulfilled, he will do it for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. His altar, it began to contend. I mean, the, the children of Israel contended for that land, but God said something in verse 25. Go to verse 25. He said, This day will I begin to put the dread of thee and the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven. So God is saying, if you decide to contend, all those people that are your enemies, they will fear you. Yeah. And do you know, they are afraid of you. But when they now see that, this one that we are afraid of doesn't even know it's right. Then they begin to harass you. Do you know your right? Do you know your authority in God? Can you take a stand if you, may, if you shout and say, in Jesus' name, will somebody stop you and say, shut up, my friend. People are calling Jesus' name. You too, you are calling Jesus' name. I hope you know it happens. Yeah. So, my friend, you think we are joking here? If you mention that name again, not because they are afraid of you mentioning the name, but because they know that the name is toothless in your mouth. It has no bite. Are you prepared to contend? 
are you ready to contend? He said, those people that are contending with you, I will put your bread upon them. You don't need to do anything. God will just begin to fight for you. I pray for someone here today. God will fight for you. Amen. I say, God will fight for you. Amen. I've said this here before. There is a name of God I love. And that name is the Lord of hosts. Why do I love that name? Because when God gives you a promise, he begins to fight. He's the one that gives you that promise. So he now begins to fight to ensure that the promise he gave to you will come to pass. Even your earthly father, he doesn't even know your enemies. How can he fight for you? The people he's fighting with, they are not your enemies. He's only making noise. The people behind the problem, he doesn't know them. All that he's doing is creating more enemies to you. But your heavenly father knows who the enemies are. He's the Lord of hosts. He's one that will fight for you. He's one that will ensure that the promise comes to pass. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, as we round up, verse 25 to 27. 2 Samuel 7, 25 to 27. This was Samuel, I mean, what's his name? David praying. He said, and now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his servant, establish it forever. That was his prayer. Thou hast thou hast said. Now look at verse 26. And let your name be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. Tell somebody, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. is the God over my life. Brethren, the Lord of hosts is simply a fighter. He's a fighter. He said, and let the house of my servant David be established before thee. Amen. Look at verse 27. He said, for thou, O oh what? For thou, O oh what? God of Israel has revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. Amen. Therefore had thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto you. That promise God has given unto you, hold on to it. Tell somebody, hold on to it. And when you go on your knees to pray, say, Oh, thou Lord of hosts. This is the promise. Bring it to pass. This is the promise. Fulfill it. Oh, thou Lord of hosts. Men have written me off. Arise for me. Stand up for me. Give me a new song. Give me a testimony. Oh, thou Lord of hosts, the one that fights for his own, the one that never loses a battle, arise for my help and fight my battles for me. That's the God we are talking about. That's the God we are, we are talking about. That is you and your voice in the place of prayer at the altar that you have erected. The second altar that Abraham built, he identified a place as the house of God. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. We are, going, we are not going in depth into that, but there's a significance to what Abraham, I mean, Abraham did there. He recognized a place. He went to a mountain east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Between Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he did what? He built an altar unto the Lord. And that altar up till today. The location of that altar is still alive in Jerusalem. Build an altar of prayer. Oh, seek the face of God. He wants to be found of you. Remember we said that before? He wants to be your friend. 
Tell somebody he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. The song we sang says, There is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Is that the song we sang? Jesus knows all about our sorrows. Okay, that's not the one I want to talk about. That's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. He knows all about our sorrows. He knows your sorrows. He knows that yesterday night you went to bed crying. I'm sure there's at least one person here. When I came to Canada, I told you I came with my daughter. So my movement was limited. I mean, I had a two-year-old daughter with me. I mean, so whatever I would do was, I came with some money. And, but I needed a job. And after I had been here for some weeks, the, the ways of these people, I don't understand. One day, I was in my room and I started crying. And I was crying to God. I was praying that, Lord, <laughs> I, I heard your voice before I came here. You have to intervene. And God did. Exactly the day, it was one month I came to this country, I started my first job. It wasn't a big job. I mean, what were they paying me then? $12 an hour. And me, I was complaining that, uh, I mean, at the level at which I came from God's own country, $12 an hour was nothing much at that point in time for me. Then I came to realize that most of the people I was talking with, they were earning $7 an hour. And I was complaining that I was earning $12 an hour. It wasn't enough for me, and I thank God, because I worked in that place for two months, and I told them, I'm not coming here to work again. And then they said, oh, no, you have to be uh, professional. You can't just say you are not coming. I said, okay, I'll give you one week notice. <laughs> and God was faithful. Because from that day, I started working until I stopped uh, uh, whatever paid job in 2015. This was in 2000. There, I was unemployed for just one day. From the day that God came through for me. And it began to gradually, it's a testimony for another day. But the Lord of hosts will fight for you. Amen. He will stand for you. Amen. He will avail for you. Amen. He will be your friend. Amen. He will reveal himself unto you. Amen. He will reveal his purpose unto you. Amen. You are starting a journey and it looks impossible. I want to tell you right now, it's not only possible, it shall come to pass. Amen. You will have a testimony for a time like this. Amen. But remember, brethren, you cannot be his friend. If he's not your father. That's why we started our father. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. If he is not your father, talk to him right now. Say, Lord, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. Because I know that's the gateway for me to become your friend. I want to be your friend. I want to be that person that you can you will be happy to reveal secrets unto. Talk to him. He's here for you this morning. Are you here or you're watching us online? You're not born again. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to raise up your hand where you are. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. He desires to be your friend. His hands are stretched out. He's been saying come all this while. He hasn't stopped saying come. All those impossible situations are meant to create avenues for answered prayer. So that when you stand up to share your testimony, you say, ah, it was impossible. 
But God came through for me. Commit your impossible situation to his hands. And if you are watching online and you want to give your life to Christ, just say, Lord Jesus, <laughs> I yield my life to you. Be my Lord and personal Savior. Take control. Take control. Do what you alone can do in my life. Let my joy be full. Oh, talk to God about that situation that is giving you sorrow. Tell him, say, Lord, let that be a divine turnaround today. Let that be a divine turnaround. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Lord, I commit everyone present here today into your hands. We have not come because it's easy to come. We've come because we want to worship you. Father, let our worship be acceptable unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. Touch us, teach us, and establish us. Amen. Glorify your name and put the devil to shame. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Many of us here are laying new foundations. New foundations. The Lord himself will be the source of that foundation in the name of Jesus. The Lord will build for you. The Lord will build with you. And your joy shall be full. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our sermon here on Christ Chapel TV. Tune in next time for the next sermon. God bless you.